0: Good morning. Is everyone awake this morning? Had your coffee? Had your breakfast? Yes? That's great. So, um, I was asked to speak about a month ago, and I had an awesome sermon planned for you guys. Actually, it's a sermon that I've preached before, so I felt confident. I was excited, I was on fire, I was just rip and ready to go. And then I woke up Friday morning, minding my own business, getting ready for work, and God was like, no, you're not going to preach that sermon that you feel confident and comfortable preaching. Instead, you're going to preach something that you've never preached before. Yes, Jesus, that was not my reaction, actually. <laughs> it was like, no, Jesus, why don't you get someone else? Because Jesus gave me an amazing topic, and that topic is on faith, and how can we grow epic faith? And I thought, Jesus, I think anyone is a little more qualified than me to preach on this. I've never been to Bible school. I don't understand, like, the historical context in which certain parts of the Bible were written. I have no theological foundation. I basically just have what you are telling me, and he was like, that is enough. That is enough. So in obedience, I decided to grow my faith a little more. And here's the interesting thing that God told me about faith. Faith is like a plant that blossoms. It breaks through the shell of disbelief and into faith. It has nowhere else to go but to grow. Hmm. It can't go back into the shell because the shell is broken. It simply can no longer contain it. It has to go up through the soil and burst through into the light. That, my friends, is faith. So here I am taking a step of faith today because the seed of unbelief cannot contain me and it cannot contain you any longer I am full of faith, you are full of faith, and it is time today that we burst forth into the light. Amen. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to dive deep into the word because the word has life and it's here to teach us. So, if you have your Bibles with you, if you have a Bible app, today I'm going to be reading through Romans, second half of chapter three, and all of chapter four. And we are going to break this apart and dissect it and see what the word has to tell us about growing epic levels of faith. So, I'm reading the New Living Translation, and I'm going to start at verse 19. So verse 19, obviously the law applies to those whom it was given for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now... God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our own sins. <clears> hmm. <throat> For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life by shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair... When he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times of past. For he was looking ahead and included them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just. And he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on our faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There is only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jew or Gentile. Well then, if we emphasize faith, Does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of the Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him right with God, he would have something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scripture tells us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift but something that they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are, who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Now, is this a blessing only for the Jews, or is it also for the uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. But how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith. And that God had already accepted him and he was declared righteous even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is a spiritual father of those who have have faith but have not been circumcised. They are counted as righteous because of their faith. And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised. But only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was not based on their obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes from faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. And that is what the scripture means when God told him. I have made you a father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in God, who brings the dead things back to life, and who creates new things out of nothing. For even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. He believed that he would become the father of many nations, for God said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though his body was a hundred years of age. He figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God, for he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit. Hmm. Assuring us that God will also count us as righteous. If we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. Oh, that is so good. So, as it says in the Bible, who is the father of our faith? Abraham. Why was he considered the father of our faith? Because he had faith. (laughs) It was counted to him as righteousness. Was it because he lived a righteous life? No. Did he obey the Ten Commandments and all the other million commandments perfectly? No. So the interesting thing is, I googled Abraham (laughs) because of my strong theological foundation, of course. So according to Britannica, Abraham is pictured with various characteristics. He's a righteous man with a wholehearted commitment to God. He's a man of peace in settling a boundary dispute with his nephew, Lot. He is compassionate. He argues and bargains with God to spare the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. He is hospitable. He welcomes three visiting angels. He is a quick-acting warrior. He rescues Lot and his family from a raiding party. And he is also an unscrupulous liar because, to save his own skin because he passes Sarah off, his wife, as his sister and lets her be picked by the Egyptian pharaoh for his harem. Abraham appears as both a man of great spiritual depth and strength and a person with common human weaknesses and needs. Abraham, a man of righteousness and a man just like us. What unites us and brings us into the family of Abraham is faith. So let's go back to Romans three, nineteen. 19. Obviously, the law applies to those whom it was given, for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show the entire world is guilty before God, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But God now has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Friends, the foundation of our faith in God is Jesus. He is the cornerstone. You see, many times in the Bible, Jesus talks about the importance of having a firm foundation of faith in him. When Jesus called out to Peter on the water, and Peter, instead of walking, he sunk. Then Peter got out of the boat. Walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said, You of little faith, why did you doubt me? And then there was a time that Jesus talks about the faith the size of a mustard seed that can move mountains. Also, Jesus compares building a house on sand to building a house on rock, or he shares a parable of the scattering seed and how the seed withers or grows based on the soil that it is planted in. A firm faith creates a firm foundation for a house to stand and not sink. A firm faith creates fertile soil for our faith to continually grow and multiply. Faith is what brings us into right relationship with God. It takes faith to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus said, blessed are those who believe in me but have not yet seen. It takes a moment of faith. When you face your sin, repent and accept Jesus into our hearts. This is where our faith begins. So step one is faith in the cross. Our journey starts when we place our faith in what Jesus did on the cross for us. We recognize that we are sinners and we deserve the penalty for our sins, which is death and hell. We surrender our hearts to Jesus and we invite him to come into our lives. It's a miraculous and beautiful moment meant to forever transform you. But many Christians remain at this step of faith and don't walk into a life of freedom, victory, and transformation. They want to grow in faith, but they don't know where to begin. The freedom that they were brought into through Jesus slowly sleep, seeps back into bondage. Why? Because grace seeps into the law. So we'll go back to verse 19 and 20, which I already read. Um, And this talks about the law showing how sinful we are. The law was meant to show our sinful nature. We know God is perfect and we are not. Our sin creates distance between us and God. Very briefly, the law was put into place in the Old Testament for the Jews um, to come back to God. Yet time and time again, sin got in the way. And the law therefore shows us that in our own strength and power, we cannot get into right relationship with the Lord. That's why we need Jesus. Jesus in his perfection paid for our sins because only perfection can bring us back to a perfect God. He overcame our deserved punishment, which is death and hell. He died and he rose again. He defeated Satan for us. When we place our faith in him, he takes on our punishment and we are freed. So our works can never bring us to God, but the goal has always been to be brought back to God. Step two is recognizing the grace of God. What begins as an initial embrace of Jesus needs to move to a continual embrace of Jesus. It's this gift of grace that allows us to walk in a relationship with with God. Grace is undeserved and unmerited favor. When we were not deserving, Jesus paid for our sins. We don't need to continually pay for them. We don't need to prove ourselves. We don't need to enter into striving, and we don't need to earn God's favor. It's a gift, and faith grows in grace. But some of us have some very serious daddy issues. So you're going to hear that at Catch the Fire, we talk about the father heart of God. Why do we do this? Because the way that you look at your earthly daddy is the way that you will look and relate to your heavenly daddy. Amen? So we have different styles of earthly dads. We have the absent father. We have the passive father. We have the performance Oriented father. We have the authoritarian father and the abusive father, and we have the good father. However, you see your father on earth is oftentimes how you will relate to your God in heaven. But we need to have a faith that is rooted in love, not just a love for God, but recognizing that He actually loves you. And receiving that love can be the hardest thing for many people, including myself. I could tell you a million reasons why I am not deserving of God's love. But that's why we need to remember that our faith does not come from our actions or what we deserve. It's a gift of grace. So I want to read verse 22 through 23. In chapter 3, verse 22, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. Oh. This is the deep, affectionate, mountain-moving, way-making God. When I read this, I read the passionate love of God. He says, no matter who we are, he says, undeserved kindness. We are free from penalty. We are made right with God. This is the gift of grace. You see, God is not like our earthly fathers who have failed us in one way or another. <clears> hmm. <throat> Ho. Oh. He is not like us who see a million reasons why we don't deserve love so we shouldn't have it. No, he is full of grace, and our faith operates and it grows in this grace. <clears> hmm. <throat> Step three faith grows in knowing God is just. Many of us have experienced hurtful times in our lives, and we carry around huge weights of unforgiveness that hinder our relationship with others, our relationship with God, and our relationship with ourselves. We feel like we need to protect ourselves. Some of us may even feel like God has failed us in certain situations, and we cannot allow him to fail us again. We need to do everything in our power to protect us. Verse 26, B says, for he himself is fair and just. He himself is fair and just. But we are naturally justice seekers. When something is done to us, we want the other person to face justice. And this can really take over our lives. It penetrates our thoughts, our hearts, our words, and our actions. Bitterness and resentment can take root. Anger and hatred come into our hearts and our actions. The love and grace that we are called to show slowly becomes twisted and mangled and we lose ourselves in it. This is where our faith in a God who is just and fair takes place. When we can trust that God has our back. We have a faith that our just Father has our best interests at heart. He is protecting us and he will vindicate us. You can trust that God has a plan for all things, even your pain. The Bible says that what the devil uses to kill, steal, and destroy, God uses to bring life and life in abundance. And that, my friends, is the incredible justice of God, that he turns the tables of destruction towards your good. And we can shout out, Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. When you have faith, That the justice of God takes the dark, dead things of your life and turns them into something beautiful and life-giving. Your circumstances, they stand on your foundation of faith instead of crumbling under your circumstances. I'm going to say that again. When When you have faith that the justice of God takes the dark and dead things of your life and he turns them into something beautiful and life-giving, your circumstances will stand on your foundation of faith instead of crumbling under your circumstances. Step four is a faith of obedience. In verse 31, well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget the law and do whatever we want? No, of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Although there is nothing that we can do to separate us from the love of God, and there is nothing that we can do to bring us into right relationship with God, we are also convicted by the Holy Spirit to walk in obedience In John 14, verse 15 through 17, it says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth. So if we go back to step two, we recognize the grace of God. We remember that it's through recognizing his grace that we grow in love for him and in love we are led by our advocate, the Holy Spirit, into obedience. I want to tell you a secret, and it's about the word abide. You find the word abide all throughout the Bible. Jesus said, abide in me, and I will abide in you. That's John 15, 14. He said, to abide in the teaching of Christ, you will see both the Father and the Son. That's 2 John 1, 9. He said, abide in him, and you will have confidence. 1 John two twenty eight. So one day, I googled the word abide. And the second definition of abide is to no longer be able to tolerate. Our Father brings us into a relationship with God where we abide in Him, and He abides in us. The amazing part of this abiding with God, which means being close to God, we are no longer able to tolerate our sins. We begin to walk in obedience to God's laws. It's not a matter of striving. It's not a matter of fear of retribution. It's not a matter of do, 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 make things happen. But it comes from a supernaturally occurring desire because his love transforms our hearts, our minds, and our will. It's a love of God that brings us into obedience. And this is where we go from faith to epic faith and righteousness. I want to read through, again, chapter 4, 16 through 22. Hmm. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. If we have faith like Abraham, for Abraham is a father of those who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead things to life and who creates new things out of nothing Even though there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age, his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham's faith never wavered. Abraham... Believed in God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger and he brought glory to God. Hmm. Remember what I said in the beginning? Abraham appears as both a man of great spiritual depth and strength. And he is a person with common human weaknesses and needs. Sometimes it's hard to look at Abraham and see ourselves. We see him as this man of an epic level of faith that we could never possibly attain. But I'm telling you today, that is a lie. We can attain that faith. We just have to take a step of faith, and then another, and then another. Hmm. Abraham faced huge, impossible promises. The Bible literally said that his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. And yet God promised he would birth a nation out of them as numerous as the stars in the sky. Some of them were not fulfilled in his lifetime. But through his faith and obedience, all that was prophesied came to pass beyond what Abraham could have ever imagined. Friends, each and every one of you has dreams God has put on your heart. And what I believe God wants to say to you today is to dream again. It's time to be bold again. It is time to dare for the impossible again. The Bible literally talks about death and resurrection. That is the type of faith that we have. We have faith in a God that brings dead things to life. In a God who created the entire universe out of absolutely nothing. Huh. All we have to do is believe. What the devil meant to bring you death, God will take and he will bring abundant life to you. Faith causes you to dream again. When you live in epic faith, you dare to dream the impossible because you believe in a God of the impossible. You read it in the Word. You see it in testimonies all around you. Maybe you've even experienced it in your own life. But you can come to the realization that the impossible is made available for you. And that's what brings us to the final step. Faith brings joy. Hmm. And I'm going to go into chapter 5. Therefore... Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we can confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us produce endurance. And endurance develops character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and this hope will never lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Friends, Your joy is not dependent on your situation. Your joy is not dependent on your circumstances. Your joy is dependent on your level of faith. And that level of faith is made available to you. Not because of what you've done or what you have earned, but because it is a gift of grace. We can live in a state of joy regardless of our circumstances because we are secure in the salvation through Jesus. We are covered in the grace of God. We are rooted in his love for us and our love for him. We believe in a just God who can take any dark situation and turn it into something beautiful. He abides in us and out of love we walk in obedience and we can dream for the impossible. And that's where we're at now. We are in this place of we have said yes to Jesus. We have said amen to Jesus. We have said we want more Jesus. And he's given us dreams. He's given us visions. You've had prophetic words over your lives. You've had desires growing and brewing inside of you. And you're like, what now? Where? When? Why? How? And God is saying, have faith. Have faith the size of a mustard seed so I can move a mountain in you. Because the mountain sometimes isn't the one in front of you, but it's the one inside your own head. And God wants to move that mountain this morning and say, you can dream again. You can have epic levels of faith again. You can have the faith of Abraham. You can. It is available for you. So I just want to pray for you this morning. Oh, Father God, I just thank you so much. I thank you for the mighty work that you did on the cross that began our journey of walking into you, of walking through you, and walking out of you, Jesus. I thank you that you have a destiny. God, I thank you that your word says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And I'm declaring over you today, anybody who thinks that they don't have any hope and any future, I break that off of you in the mighty name of Jesus, and I declare you have hope, you have freedom, and you have an amazing future in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we receive your plans in Jesus' name. In any area, God, where we've seen your plans and we said, that can't happen. That's impossible. We rebuke that disbelief, Father God, and we step into faith. In the name of Jesus this morning, God, we get up and we step into faith. I want you all to rise up right now. All to stand up right now. We are taking a step into faith. Be bold, be courageous. Don't care what people think, it doesn't matter because God's plans are you and they are victorious and they are for good. So today, let's take a step forward. Jesus, I take a step forward into faith. I take a step forward into your mighty plans for my life. I take a step forward into the impossible. I take a step forward into freedom. I take a step forward into victory we break off any plans of attack against us because they have no ground. Jesus said when Jesus said in the Bible, who has the power to take down the strong man, which is the devil, someone who is stronger. So the devil has nothing on you. He has nothing because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead resides in you. Amen. Amen. So, Father God, we receive the power, the anointing, the authority of the Holy Spirit, Father God, for your glory, for your kingdom, Father God, that you are raising the dead things to life inside of us right now. Any areas where dreams have died, any areas where hope has died, Father God, that you bring the dead things to life in Jesus' name. Right now, God, I thank you that you are breathing your breath of life upon us. You are breathing your breath of freedom upon us you're breathing your breath of joy upon us i declare abundant joy over you in jesus name in any area where depression has sunk into your mind we break that off in jesus name and we declare joy 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 abundant joy over you in jesus name today is a day of freedom for you today is a day of vindication for you today is a day of victory for you in jesus mighty name father god we want that epic faith god that you look at us and you declare us righteous in the sight of Jesus. You look at us and you see the beautiful work of the cross in our lives. In any area where you feel like you're not good enough, it's okay. In any area where you feel like you don't deserve love, it's okay because grace Covers you today. Grace, undeserving, unmerited favor, is your cloak today. And we declare the cloak of grace over you in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we just receive more of your presence. We just receive more of your presence, Father God. We thank you for the freedom. We thank you for the freedom. We thank you for the freedom in Jesus' name. Oh. Oh, Jesus. Hmm. So God, we thank you right now that you are reminding people of dreams. You are reviving dreams, but you're also placing new dreams on people's hearts right now. I want to remind you, it doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your education level. It doesn't matter your strength because God's grace covers it all. God gave me a word over New Year's, and the word was fragile because I'm pretty fragile. And I thought that was a bad thing. And Jesus said to me, no, I love that you're fragile because it allows for my glory and my power and my strength to seep through and take over. So, Father God, we welcome you to come into the cracks of our lives, to come into the areas of weakness in our lives, to come to the areas of unbelief in our lives, to come into the areas of fear in our lives. Father God, we We call you to come in to take over, Father God, that your glory would shine through, that your power would shine through, that your strength would shine through, that your wisdom would shine through. In the name of Jesus, it is not about you. It is about the Lord, and he can use you if you are a willing vessel to the Lord. And we will walk in epic levels of faith in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen? Amen.